Hey, do you want to be like me and make podcasts that everyone loves? Yeah, you do. But chances are, you don't want to spend a bunch of money doing it. No worries. A solution exists. Spotify's got a platform that lets you make podcasts super easy, then distribute those podcasts everywhere, and you can even earn money doing it. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters, and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Also, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. I'm speaking from experience when I say that all those additional features like video podcasts, Q&As, polls, those are things you won't find for cheap elsewhere. But with Spotify for Podcasters, it's all totally free no catch. I highly recommend you give it a try. Download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com slash podcasters to get started. Thanks. We love you. Everybody, welcome to Pretty Scary. Pretty, Pretty scary, scary Boo! Yay, Caitlin's here! Welcome Yay! To- Caitlin was here last week too, but not till the end of the episode. Correct. Now we got. They still a- haven't found me. Now it's full Caitlin. <laughs> they still haven't. Is there found- a reward? Carrie would turn me in so fast. <laughs> Hold on, oh, I'm yeah. going to make a call right now while we're on the air, so hopefully they'll arrest her during the episode Yeah, as, like, bonus content. Oh, no. Oh, uh, we call that bone con. <laughs> <laughs> Finger me. Finger me. No. Oh, Caitlin. We don't finger each other as often anymore. We really yeah. need to bring that back in 2019. Yeah. No, we did I, it. It's it so fun. It still makes me feel gross. I don't why? know why. It's just a little fingering. I don't know. <laughs> a little, little fingering never hurt anybody. Yeah. What's a little fingering going to hurt? That's how it starts. Yeah. What's it going to hurt? Well, it depends. It depends on what's getting fingered. And the rate. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the hymen's intact? Yeah. What? <laughs> the hymen's attacked. If the hymen's or if it's attacked, it suspends us. <laughs> this is your fault if this goes badly. <sighs> this shockingly, none of us have been drinking. No, Stone we're nine sober days right sober. Exactly. We are nine days sober. I've saved four point two thousand dollars <laughs> in the nine days you have not drank. Right. Uh, yeah, you God, guys, I walked in and they were just running around. That's how sober they are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They were just spontaneously so exercising. Energy. It was crazy. So much time for activities. I've now. watched one million hours of TV. Yeah, Carrie's DVR is spick and span, guys. <laughs> Clean as a whistle. Nothing in there now. Holy crap. So what are we talking about today? We're talking about celebrity familial deaths in close proximity. <laughs> <laughs> I did. 
didn't know how to title it. I actually, that is exactly that, that is the perfect title. <laughs> That's exactly how it's like the most medical clinical definition. It sounds or, like an Interpol album or yeah. something. I call it the celebrity familial death and close proximity <laughs> project. It's a Sufjan Stevens Shut song. Up, Mom! <laughs> It, it is like a, like a dissertation or something you'd write for your masters. <laughs> the celebrity death, familiar deaths in close proximity, Ohio. <laughs> I'm Carrie Martin, and today I'm presenting celebrity familial deaths in close proximity. Actually, no, wait, we should read it like a wheel of fortune. Celebrity familial deaths in close proximity. <laughs> no whammies. <laughs> You win a phone with a built-in answering machine. What is celebrity familial deaths in close proximity? <laughs> so I feel like I can't write notes again after this because this was my masterpiece. Oh, I hey, think I peaked. I just got a fortune cookie. What does it say? <laughs> it says celebrity deaths, celebrity familial. Wait, what are my lucky numbers? <laughs> In bed. <laughs> yep. In bed. Celebrity familial deaths in close proximity in bed. <laughs> Some of these are. We'll find out. I've never seen. <laughs> That's the best title. That's the best title of anything I do ever. like it. That's definitely the. <laughs> Fuck Moby Dick. Fuck Gravity's Rainbow. This needs a Pulitzer. Catcher in the Rye. <laughs> no, yeah. we don't need any of that stuff. None of that. So yeah, we're just we're basically talking about celebrity families that died like in close time proximity. Break. Time proximity. Right. And now the Daily Double. <laughs> Jenks. Boop, boop, boop. <laughs> okay, sorry everybody. The first one is a doozy. Let's just start with the the one everybody's thinking of with I would guarantee that if you said celebrity familial deaths in close proximity, this is the first and only thing anyone would think of. No. So I wrote about four. So everybody out there listening, <laughs> if you can tweet us the four <laughs> before we air this. I always suspected you... <laughs> I always suspected that you didn't know how this worked. And now I have proof. Then you win a vodka Kool-Aid experience with me. I'd just like to reiterate, none of us are drunk. I'm literally here with a mason jar of water. Yeah, we're all drinking water. <coughs> wow. And I don't know. <laughs> yeah, if anybody... I feel like I'm watching a fight in a hockey match. Right, a hockey match. <laughs> a hockey contest. A contest of hockey. <coughs> oh, my God, my gird's kicking in. <laughs> Oh, God. All right. So I hope that we all die within close proximity of each other time-wise. Is that going to bring the, the room down? Podcast close families <laughs> that die for 200. Fam okay. Families. The first story that Caitlin thinks is the only story Rude. is Rude. Carrie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds. So sad. So this was first or the, one of the first article that I read was in People. Uh, at age 60, Carrie Fisher died of a heart attack on a plane on December 27th, 2016. So just two years ago. A friend of Deb's, uh, her name was Sue Cameron, says that Reynolds told her <clears throat> that she had been in bed that night when she felt death come over her. The star described it as a weighty cloud that briefly hovered over her bed. Oh, all right. I guess this is it, said Reynolds, thinking she was going to die. But then she said the cloud moved to the left of her bed and stayed there. 
Debbie said, I guess it wasn't for me, but in hindsight, I realized a cloud settled over the exact spot where Carrie always sat on Debbie's bed. Oh, I know that's sad. <laughs> she said, I don't know what will happen to Carrie if I go. And that is my only worry. The day Carrie got on the plane from London, Debbie told her assistant and caretaker that she did not believe Carrie was coming home. She did not say Carrie is going to die today, but she said Carrie is not coming home. Somehow Debbie had a sense that Carrie was going to die. She just knew it. Karen says the bond between Reynolds and her daughter was almost beyond comprehension. I would almost call it preordained. It was as if they had arrived here from another universe, which... Or a galaxy or far away. Or a galaxy away. far, far right. away. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And they were supposed to play this out. They were bonded and almost locked together. Although Carrie iced her mom out of her life for a decade in her 20s. Did you guys know that? I, I did not. I did know that. But that's, but that's because I love Postcards from the Edge. Right. Uh, uh, which is based on their relationship. And Meryl Streep is in it. Mm. True. Which is my dream familial bond. Yeah. It was sad when Debbie was like looking back talking on it because she was like, you know, we're really close now. But for some reason, Carrie just didn't want to talk to me. Well, just didn't talk to me for 10 years. And Carrie was just like, but I was the daughter of Debbie Reynolds, and I just wanted to get under that, yeah, uh, you know, I guess stigma and spread my wings and do my own thing. And she you could still a break. talk to your mom, or you can be extreme and not. What her I mom? Suppose. Her mom was a lot, though. Was like, she? Debbie Reynolds was, yeah, like, like famously, like, yeah. I don't know much about Debbie Reynolds. Not a personal. Well, yeah, not how she was as a person. Yeah, she. I mean, they they had a strained relationship. One because Debbie w- was constantly like kind of awkwardly putting Carrie in the spotlight in ways that she wasn't comfortable with, mm-hmm. and then she was also just her an overwhelming personality. And I think you know Carrie Fisher on some level just didn't want to deal with that. Plus, Carrie Fisher was in and out of drug addiction. And right. Right. I think the real reason for it is that you know when you're in and out of drug addiction, you don't want to. You right, don't want to be around the people that stuff, w- want good things for you. Right, you yeah. want the opposite, and you lash out. And I think, I think too, you know, we forget that like we lash out on the people that we love because we actually feel safest with them. We know that there isn't like a we can't really lose those people on some level, or at least that's the assumption we're making. Right. So that's when that's you know, especially with addicts and things like that. So that's my guess, and that's kind of what I've read about. But I didn't know this like death cloud story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, that it's it's so weird. Like they Carrie Fisher, she's talked about like past life stuff. Mm-hmm. Oh, a lot, right? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. We did, didn't we do an episode about that? Mm-mm. About I, oh, I think past we did. lives we did because we talked about Catherine Hepburn picking a tree. I believe we talked about reincarnation. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and all the like all these stories of kids who are mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, I live. yeah, the, the kids that were really creepy. I just saw a. a I don't know who the woman who tweeted it was because it was one of my Twitter friends retweeted it. But she was talking about how her kid just like (laughs) sat up in bed one night and was like, uh, it was really sad when me and my brother died. We owned a business together and we died in a car accident. And he's still really sad because he missed our mom. But I'm fine because I picked you as my new mom. And she was just like. What? Yeah. Kids are so creepy. Yeah. My kid's really creepy. He'll point at the corner where there's nothing and he'll say, Mama. Well, I'm, I'm he, counting on stuff like that yeah, with my to kid. give us episode ideas as oh, yeah. he gets well, older. We're going to have to have a child. Like, it's. <laughs> Yeah, he's going to have to be a little us. haunted. He, he already does really scary stuff. Like, there's a picture of my mom in my house and he'll he'll point to her and say, Mama. But you look a lot like I know, your mom. But it's yeah. just, it's just, but then the corner stuff is creepy. Yeah. Yeah. 
And then, like, he'll... Tell him to stop. Also, yeah, why you just ground cut him? it put him, out. Put him in his pouting chair. The other day, he was in the back. <laughs> put him in his pouting chair. Interesting insight into Carrie's experience on the planet. <laughs> Carrie, grow in your pouting chair. Uh, I was, She's in it. I was driving, and my son just started laughing hysterically. Like, laughing like someone was tickling him. And it was just us in the car, and it was terrifying. Oh, yeah. Like, it was really... Did you pull over... And just, like, take him the car seat and put it on the sidewalk until he, <laughs> like, went around the block a couple times like the opposite, for him to, like, cool off. The opposite colic move. Take him out of the car. Yeah. I pulled the That's reverse you colic. you for a hysterical, Let him see you drive child. off. Well, because well, yeah. we're pulling into the grocery store. So I pull in, and I'm thinking, like, well, maybe there's a toy back here or whatever. There's nothing. He just, like, looked at me and, like, smiled. And I was like, you're creepy. Yeah. I love you, but I guess. I creepy. guess I guess, yeah. My, of course, my son's little spooky that's good. That's good. we'll do an episode about him someday but i mean <laughs> yeah. i think there are a lot of stories about family members knowing the other one's gonna pass i mean i i had a thing with my mom like i had a dream about her and i was like oh she's gonna die and then she died which was like but your mom had cancer but when she went into the emergency room they were telling us that she had meningitis and it took a full week and a half for them to because the hospital was stupid to discover that the cancer had spread the way that it had spread. So I didn't know that I genuinely didn't know that she yeah. was dying of cancer at that point. Like it was just something. And then at the very end, they were like, oh, sorry, it's cancer. <laughs> I was like, oh, well, important Yeesh. info. Anyway, but the point is, is that I had like a weird experience. Yeah. So I'm not surprised. But I had a cousin who died before I was born. Her name was Tammy. I was obsessed with her when I was a kid because they would tell me these stories about how she got hit by a car on the street that I grew up on. She got hit by a car and died. And it was like two or three years before I was born. And they were like, the clock in the living room stopped at the exact moment she got hit by that car. And that like blew up in oh, my yeah, head. The forever. minute I heard it, I was yeah. like, what the, f- like wh- how, why would the clock in the living room stop the minute? You she think got they made hit? that up or it really happened? No, I don't. My grandmother wasn't the type to make stuff like that up. Yeah. And yeah, my family's a bunch of liars. They would totally make that up and then tell me when I was like on my deathbed, like, oh, by the way, that we weren't adopted. Lot. You know, something crazy. <laughs> Our families are so different. Yeah. They're so familiar, familiarly <laughs> different. <laughs> if you can scroll down. That'd be great. <laughs> uh, in USA Today, Debbie Reynolds died of an apparent stroke just a day after her daughter at age 84 due to sleep apnea and arterial damage, uh, heart disease. The funeral planning for Carrie had started Wednesday for Fisher's funeral, but was interrupted when Reynolds suffered a stroke while they were talking about it at her son Todd Fisher's Beverly Hills home. How crazy is that of your Todd? Yeah. Or her da- or Carrie Fisher's daughter. She was the one I really like. felt sorry for because... It's her mom and her grandma, and they were all really close. Yeah. Yeah, my grandmother had a stroke in front of me. We oh. were We were getting ready to go to Red Lobster. So I feel like she might have been that is a, like- It's a delicacy in She might have, been, might, might have been like, I have to save this kid from this. I'm going to do anything to protect my grandson <laughs> yeah. from, from this those biscuits. I'm thinking, yeah. oh, but those biscuits. We're going to Red Lobster. Hold my beer. No, we're not. <laughs> Watch what happens next. That's what you think. Yeah, it was pretty fucking. I crazy. have a box of those of a of the biscuit mix in my cupboard right now. Good. I'm just. You like, can buy them frozen too. You can toss them in the oven. Mm-hmm. Oh wow. Those biscuits. Cheddar lobster. What are they called? Cheddar Bay biscuits. Cheddar. Mm. Fisher and her mother were really <laughs> close, <laughs> and they lived next door to each other. 
Uh, Todd Fisher said his mother's grief stricken by his sister's death in UCLA Medical Center on Tuesday, four days after she suffered a heart-related medical emergency on a flight from London to LA uh, on Friday, the Friday before. The stress may have been too much. She wanted to be with Carrie, said Todd. Uh, Reynolds was rushed to the hospital by an L.A. Fire Department emergency team, which reported the adult female uh, and fared a serious condition. And just hours later, she was dead. Yeesh. I know. I thought this was interesting. So I read some of these uh, fun facts in Wikipedia. Carrie Fisher, in the 80s, Fisher appeared in the film The Blues Brothers as Jake's vengeful ex-lover. She is listed in the credits as Mystery Woman. While Fisher was in Chicago filming the movie, she choked on a Brussels sprout. Dan Aykroyd performed the Heimlich Maneuver and saved my life. Well, where the hell were you on that plane, Dan? (laughs) Wow. Fisher Fisher met musician Paul Simon while filming Star Wars, and the pair dated from 77 until 83. True. In 1980, she was briefly engaged to Canadian actor Dan Aykroyd, Hmm. who proposed to her on the set of their film, The Blues Brothers. She said, we had rings, we got blood tests, the whole shot. But then I got back together with Paul Simon, (laughs) as one does. Yeah. Well, there's 50 ways to leave your lover. That's one. (laughs) Uh, That is one. Yeah. Also, other than being an actress, she was a very... In-demand script doctor in the 90s and 2000s. Again, if she was a doctor, why couldn't she have saved herself? <laughs> Good point. That's my favorite cact- uh, fact about Carrie Fisher is that she was a script doctor. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That, like, is the most interesting. That, to me, is the dream job. Yeah. You don't have to write the whole thing. You're just like, let me, give it to me. Yeah, that would be pretty great. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, the thing about her choking on the Brussels sprout mm-hmm. reminds me of the rapper Prodigy, who is, was in the rap group Mob Deep, which was a 90s rap group. He had sickle cell anemia. And oh, I remember this. And he, he had like a sickle cell anemia attack when he was in Las Vegas and went and checked into the hospital for it and then choked on an egg and died. In his like while hospi- he was in the hospital? While he was in the hospital, choked on a hard-boiled egg. So just nobody like... He, mi- he might have been like... He was in the room alone. He was probably yeah. Yeah, in the room alone. How crazy is that? That's got to be the scariest thing. Also, like, the most frustrating death. Oh, yeah. You're in the hospital. You know you're choking. What the hell? Like, yeah. so close. Oh. Like, oh, maybe I should have, like, cut it up a little more. Right? Yeah. Or, like, where's the button? Where's the <laughs> yeah. nurse button? Like, if I could just push the nurse button, someone will show I'm up and help me I'm always finding out. ways to improve myself. That's why I said what you're I did. You're so hard on yourself. <laughs> And I'm constantly tri- figuring out how to speak to somebody who's in authority that I could yell at. <laughs> the manager. Yep. Uh, I, this was interesting. Fisher also had a close relationship with a singer, James Blunt. While working on his album Back to Bedlam in 2003, Blunt spent much of his time at Fisher's residence. When Vanity Fair's George Wayne asked Fisher if their relationship was sexual, she replied, Absolutely not. But I did become his therapist. He was a soldier. This boy has seen awful stuff. Every time James hears fireworks or anything like that, he climbs into the tub like a dog. (laughs) (laughs) That made me laugh. (laughs) Not funny. It doesn't say that. His heart beats faster and he gets fight or flight. Uh, You know he comes from a long line of soldiers dating back to the 10th century. He would tell me these horrible stories. He was a captain, a reconnaissance soldier i became james's therapist so it would have been unethical to sleep with my patient this helps prove my point that james blunt is a ghost <laughs> definitely a ghost wait is james blunt the beautiful song yeah, beautiful. oh my yes. god i hate that song i wrote so about him in my second cracked article ever which was about uh secret badasses and really? people that you wouldn't expect could just fuck you up and james blunt is one of them he led he seems like a tender soul 
He was a he led a battalion or whatever the fuck they call them in the uh, UN, like into the war in Kosovo. Like when Whoa. she says he's seen shit, he's seen shit. Oh my god! Like he was he was deep in the military and like on the front lines, fucking taking like mowing people. people down. Yeah, taking people into war zones and like leading troops. That's so funny because I remember. My mom saying like this guy sounds like such a weenie. Yeah, he, he does. does. That's he what's... looks like it. Yeah, he was like kind of tall and lanky. Yeah, wow. and he's just just a total fucking badass. Interesting. But I think Carrie's right. He's a ghost. Yeah, I mean, he probably died in Kosovo. And came right. back and wrote that song, Which beautiful. Is why he about heaven? He and Carrie get get along so well. Cause he's <laughs> yes. a, he's a ghost, right? You know, as opposed to an alien, in which case she would not get along with. Uh, yes. Anything space related? No. Nope. Fuck out space. Fuck no. <laughs> Spaces. Uh, go on. One more fun fact: on February twenty sixth, two thousand five, our Gregory Greg Stevens, a lobbyist, was found dead in Fisher's California home. Oh yeah. The final autopsy report listed the cause of death as cocaine and oxycodone use, but added chronic and apparently previously undiagnosed heart disease as contributing factors. <clears throat> Media coverage of an initial autopsy report used the word overdose, but that wording is not in the final report. In an interview, Fisher claimed that Stevens' ghost haunted her mansion, which unsettled her. I was in net for a year, and in that year, I took drugs again because everyone knows that cocaine helps <laughs> paranoia. Yeah, that's a weird choice. Yeah, feeling paranoid, better start. You, you'd better drink. slam a rail, right? Or it, like you do a downer, right? A depressant. Yeah, not an upper. I'll take ghosts that are haunting <laughs> Carrie Fisher for nine hundred. Ghosts haunting Carrie Fisher in close proximity. Boop, boop, boop. And that, the Daily Double. Uh, okay, after finishing the European leg of her book tour, uh, her last TV appearance was on an episode of The Graham Norton Show, recorded four days before her death. She was on a flight home. 15 minutes before they landed, she had a medical emergency. A passenger seated near Fisher reported that she had stopped breathing. Another passenger performed CPR on Fisher until paramedics arrived at the scene. Emergency services in L.A. were contacted when the flight crew reported a passenger in distress prior to landing. She was taken by ambulance to the Ronald Reagan UCLA Medical Center, where she was placed on a ventilator. On the morning of December 27th, after being in ICU for four days, she died at the age of 60. Her daughter, Billy Lord, confirmed her mother's death in a statement to the press. A full report from June 19th, 2017, stated that Fisher had cocaine in her system as well as traces of heroin, God. other opiates, and MDMA. Yeah. Jeez. I hope that I still party like that at 60. Hell yeah. The report also stated that the investigation was unable to determine when she had taken the drugs and whether they contributed to her death. Her daughter, Billy, stated that Fisher battled drug addiction and mental illness her entire life and ultimately died of it. She is purposefully open in all of her work about the social stigma surrounding these diseases. I know my mom. She'd want her death to encourage people to be open about their struggles. On January 5th, 2017, a joint private memorial was held for Fisher and Reynolds. A portion of Fisher's ashes were laid to rest bedside. Uh, Reynolds in a crypt at Forest Lawn Memorial Park in Hollywood Hills. The remainder of those ashes are held in a giant novelty Prozac pill. That's I bet anything that she had stipulated that. Probably. Oh, that, probably. That's... Yeah. Uh, Debbie Reynolds, fun fact. Uh, Reynolds was married three times. Her yes. first marriage was to singer Eddie Fisher in 1955. Uh -huh. They became the parents of Carrie. <laughs> is this you verifying? No, it's just like, <laughs> this is, I love all this shit. <laughs> they became the parents of Carrie and Todd. Uh, the couple divorced in 59 when it was revealed shortly after the death of Elizabeth Taylor's husband, Mike Todd, that Fisher had been having an affair with her. Taylor and Reynolds were good friends at the time. 
The Eddie Fisher Show, I'm sorry, the Eddie Fisher Elizabeth Taylor Affair was a great public scandal which led to the cancellation of Eddie Fisher's TV show. In 2011, Reynolds was on the Oprah Winfrey Show just weeks before Elizabeth Taylor's death. She explained that she and Taylor happened to be traveling at the same time on the ocean liner Queen Elizabeth sometime in the late 60s or early 70s when they reconciled. Reynolds sent a note to Taylor's room, and Taylor sent in a note in reply asking to have dinner with Reynolds and end their feud. As Reynolds described it, we had a wonderful evening with a lot of laughs. What a life. That is. Like, Debbie Reynolds, also she's in freaking Singing in the Rain, which is one of the most amazing movies ever. I've never seen it. <clears throat> really? Me neither. Really? No. No. Yeah, you got no. I'm not even going to try to pitch it to either of you. I, feel I, like I know I wouldn't like it. That was maybe Probably that era's not. Angelina and Jennifer. Well, yeah, I mean because I think that I think I think Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor were definitely the Brad Pitt Angelina Jolie of their time for sure. Like they right. were the two. Like she's the most beautiful woman in the world, and he's like the most kind of like. I mean, he was Brad Pitt, and I don't know, but they it was so heightened and everybody wanted to know every single thing about the two of them and they got divorced and they got remarried i can see brad pitt and angelina getting remarried me too that's yep yeah they had a lot of kids i can see that yeah or they just like pooled their kids i can't remember yeah <laughs> they both seem like they make bad decisions did you ever see the lifetime movie where Lindsay lohan plays elizabeth taylor no oh! i've never seen pictures she looked really pretty she it was it was pretty good yeah yeah well, i don't think i've seen that either oh my gosh it Miles and I made a whole night out of it. We were very excited. <laughs> it's a weird-ass movie. Speaking of Lifetime, the Whitney Houston-Bobby-Christina tandem death. This one's crazy. Have you seen the documentary, Whitney? It came no, out like last year. I haven't year. watched it yet. Okay, so I watched it on a plane recently, and I have thought about it ever since I watched it. It is one of the saddest stories I've ever heard. I mean, I knew, I think her and Bobby Brown in my mind kind of became like almost like a punchline and I never mm -hmm. really thought about it. And she always just seemed so upbeat and just like, I guess I never really felt sorry for her. I was like, well, why are you with this guy? Like, but oh my God, Whitney Houston was like taken advantage of by every single person in her life. Yeah. It's the, her dad sued her for like a million dollars or $10 million. I don't her know if dad. she was just tough or what, like, like who all took, I, I mean, I'm sure people did take advantage, but she seemed like a pretty tough cookie. No, this, it's like, I thought that too, but then I watched this documentary and was like, like it talks about how she was kind of, she was like in a very interesting relationship with a woman for like 15 years. I can see that. Yeah. Uh, it's just, it's a wild story. And Bobby Brown hated this girl. Her name was Robin and was like in Whitney Houston's life and was like very instrumental into guiding Whitney Houston's career. Hmm. And then I don't want to spoil, but it's, it's a crazy documentary. It's so sad. Yeah. I and obviously the I've ending never heard is anything about a Robin. That's exactly. That's what I'm saying is there was so much about this documentary that I would just kept thinking like, what? Like I didn't even, I yeah, there's some, that. some really big stars who've been able to hide their shit really well. Like remember Janet Jackson was one married to Jermaine Dupree. No, well, before that, she was married to one of the DeBarge yes. family and had a kid with him, I think. I think it was Chad DeBarge. It was Chad DeBarge, yeah. Yeah, Chad, yeah. Hey, let's talk about Whitney Houston and Bobby Christina. Oh, okay. Number two. Another mother-daughter pair. Correct. Throughout the 80s, Houston was romantically linked to American football star Randall Cunningham and actor Eddie Murphy. In early 1980, during one night of raucous sexual activity, Murphy donkey punched Houston so hard that she started oh. singing the Star Spangled Banner out of her pussy. <laughs> 
This is why I've told you not to get any of your sources from Wikipedia. This is exactly no, why. No, okay, well, yes, a lot of these exactly facts why. are from Wikipedia, but I, I started these notes on my second hour of happy hour, so they get a little more tawdry. Yeah, I'd say so. That uh, second one is alleged, by the way. Things that were found in Whitney Houston's pussy for 100, please. What is the Star Spangled Banner? Why did she sing out of her pussy for a hundred? I will always love you. I want to dance with somebody. My name is not Susan. Thanks, Whitney Houston. Say. Uh, oh no. She then met R and B. The singer. greatest love of all. <laughs> that song's about abortion. Oh God. Is it really? <laughs> no. No, it is, and it's written by a man. I don't know about that. I can see the that. The greatest love of all is it's it's about I think it's like a pro life song. Oh, okay. I was like but it's this like, can't be a pro like No, like it's that, not like a pro abortion. Like closing song. time or whatever. It's closing, closing time, time a brick. pro abortion song. <laughs> what is brick? No, I'm sorry, Rod. Sorry, kid. Closing time. She then uh, met R&B singer Bobby Brown at the 89 Soul Train Music Awards. After a three-year courtship, the two were married on July 18, 1992, and on March 4, 93, Houston gave birth to their daughter, Bobby Christina, their only child. Though Houston was seen as a good girl with a perfect image in the 80s and early 90s, her behavior began to change by 99 and 2000. She was often late for interviews photo shoots and rehearsals. She canceled concerts and talk show appearances, and she had erratic behavior. Bad girl. Misperformances and weight loss, but she was always skinny because she was like yeah, a model. But remember that one MTV performance where she came out and like legit looked like Skeletor? She yeah. had like those, that choker on yeah. and like, and she, she had that weird step cut. Yeah. Yeah, that's where everybody was like, "All right, Whitney, what's going on here?" She looked, she looked cursed. And then that's after, that's when she gave the. I think it was Diane Sawyer, the the crack is yeah, whack. That crack, comes up soon. Crack is whack. Crack is whack. <laughs> crack is whack. I don't do crack. So this led to rumors about her using drugs with her husband. On January 11, 2000, airport security guards discovered marijuana in both of their suitcases at a Hawaiian airport. But the two boarded the plane and departed before authorities could arrive. Uh, charges were later dropped, but rumors of drug usage would continue to service. I'm sorry, but pot possession is such a bogus charge, and I don't even smoke. It really is. It's but pretty Im- stupid. Imagine having that kind of celebrity privilege where you can just be like, all right, yeah, you figure out what you're going to do. We're going <laughs> to hop on the plane and get the fuck out of here. We'll have my we're going to Hawaii. Yeah. Shortly thereafter, Houston was scheduled to perform at the Academy Awards, but was fired from the event by musical director and longtime friend Burt Bacharach. Her publicist cited throat problems uh, as a reason for the cancellation. But in his book, The Big Show, High Times and Dirty Dealings, backstage at the Academy Awards, uh, author Stephen Pond revealed that Houston's voice was shaky. She seemed distracted and jittery, and her attitude was casual, almost defiant, and that while Houston was supposed to sing Over the Rainbow, which do you remember who ended up singing it? No, I was just trying to rack my brain. Tim McGraw's wife. Faith Faith Hill. Faith Hill. Oh, God, can you imagine being replaced by Faith Hill? Yeah, but that's not super big for a while. Oh, I remember, but like, that's it's like the most annoying person to cover for you. They weirdly have a documentary on Showtime, also. Do they? Yeah. Like, about. I think it's like a tour documentary. Oh, I don't care then. Yeah, I mean, I'm never going to watch it. It's like they produced it. 
Probably. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I'm not it's interested. Probably on CMT, Gosh, too. I just remember when Faith Hill got famous and thinking, like, she was so beautiful. She really was. Like, she I, was I, pretty, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. No, I mean, like, indisputably gorgeous. And then she had that crazy voice. I was like, wow, this is annoying. Yeah. And they made a big thing about her being adopted. Oh, yeah. And raised that's by, right. like, an older couple. And then that's she right. met her mom. And she was like, yeah, we don't really have anything in common. So they just went their separate ways. <laughs> this was uh, awkward. Awkward. <laughs> I also, hope we don't die in close proximity. In 2002, <laughs> Houston did an interview with Diane Sawyer to promote her upcoming album. During the primetime special, Houston spoke about her drug use and her marriage, among other topics. Asked about the ongoing drug rumor, she replied, first of all, let's get one thing straight. Crack is cheap. I make too much money. Whitney makes too much money to ever smoke crack. Let's get that straight, okay? We don't do crack. We don't do that. Crack is whack. <laughs> she did crack. Oh, well, yeah. Houston did, however, admit to using alcohol, marijuana, cocaine, and pills. She also acknowledged that her mother had urged her to seek help for her drug use. She denied having an eating disorder and denied that her very thin appearance was connected to drugs. Houston further stated that Bobby Brown had never hit her. But she acknowledged that she had hit him. Uh, she also asked to see the receipts for said drugs, which receipts later became a center point among the Real Housewives franchise. Oh, I remember. <laughs> receipts. Yeah. So if I'm like, oh, Caitlin drugs. said something, well, show me the receipts, Carrie. Show me the receipts. I yeah. didn't know and that. And then I would that... go through text messages and be like, see? Is that where that started? It became a thing yeah. recently. I know that. But I, like, it would be funny if that's it would be funny. what that reference is in my mind I, i'm gonna say it is let's say it is sure whitney houston references found on oc housewives <laughs> episodes for 600 in early 2004 husband bobby brown starred in his own reality show being bobby brown on the bravo network which Gross. is a real housewives network mm. did you guys ever watch this oh yeah i think yeah the show provided a view of the domestic goings-on in their in the Brown household. Though it was Brown's vehicle, Houston was a prominent figure throughout the show, receiving as much screen time as Brown. The series aired in 2005 and featured Houston in unflattering moments. The Hollywood Reporter said that the show was undoubtedly the most disgusting and ex- execrable, execrable series ever to ooze its way onto TV. Despite the perceived train wreck nature of the show, the series gave Bravo its highest ratings in its time slot and continued Houston's successful phrase into film and TV, but then the show is not renewed for a second season. All I remember is talk about poo and sex and hell to the no and Bobby! Hell to the no. I remember the episode where he had to, she was constipated. Yeah. And he was like using a spoon to... I have so many memories of Carrie saying, do you remember the episode of that <laughs> Whitney Houston Bobby Brown show where he digged the poo out of her butt? <laughs> it's like one of your favorite things that's ever been on television. They also had something where they were going to have sex in the woods and they're like, oh, wait, there's cameras. Like, yep. you're filming a reality <laughs> Also, so, oh, wait, there's you our You have daughter. to get it in. Like, we, when you're camping, you're like the grossest. They're, yeah. Yeah, it was The sad. grossest person. And then there was another time, and Bobby Christine at the time was like a super chunk, uh, but she was like eight years old. And they're like, oh, we're going to go have sex. And they would slam the door and she'd be outside knocking on the door. Yeah. Yeah. That was crazy. Yeah, it was pretty sad. After years of controversy and turmoil, Houston separated from Brown in September 2006 and filed for divorce the following month. On February 1st, Houston asked the court to fast-track the divorce. Divorce was finalized on April 24th, 2007, granting Houston custody of Bobby Christina. Houston reportedly appeared disheveled and erratic in the days immediately prior to her death. 
On Thursday, February 9th, 2012, Houston visited singers Brandy and Monica together with Clive Davis at the rehearsal for Davis's pre-Grammy Awards party at the Beverly Hilton in Beverly Hills. Did you guys ever see that interview? No. I don't think so. There is an interview where they're interviewing Brandy and Monica and Clive Davis and Whitney comes in and she had just been in the, the pool or gotten out of the shower. So her hair was wet and she had Bobby Christina with her. And she goes, hey, I, I know you guys are doing an interview. Sorry, this won't take a second. Bobby, Bobby, come here. Say say, say hi to your uh, your godfather because Clive, Clive Davis is Bobby right. Christina's godfather. She's like, go say hi to him. Give him a hug. Hi. And then she's going around and hugging Brandy and Monica. OK, sorry to interrupt. OK, bye. And That's then crazy. just leaves. That's insane. It's, really? Yeah. And you can tell nobody knows what to do. Yeah. So they kind of sit there and just go with it. Because, I mean, it's probably like two minutes. Oh, my God. But it just was so random. Um, the same day she made her last public performance when she joined Kelly Price on stage in Hollywood and sang Jesus Loves Me. Some of her last words were, I'm going to go and see Jesus. Two days later, on February 11th, Houston was found unconscious in Suite 434 at the Beverly Hilton Hotel, which means we need to rent that room and have a seance. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure it's booked out from now until eternity. Good. Probably, yeah. We'll figure out a way to okay. get in there. Yeah, with all that sweet podcasting money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. She just emerged in the bathtub. Beverly Hills uh, arrived at approximately 3.30, found Houston unresponsive, and performed CPR. Houston was pronounced dead at 3.55. Uh, the cause of death was not immediately known. Uh, police said that there were no obvious signs of criminal intent. Uh, they said that her death was reported by drowning in the effects of atherosclerotic heart disease and cocaine use. The office stated that the amount of cocaine found in Houston's body indicated that she used this substance shortly before her death. Uh, toxicology results reveal additional drugs in her system, Benadryl, Xanax, uh, cannabis, and Flexeril. The manner of death was listed as an accident. Yeesh. That's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of medications working against each other. Yeah, it really is. Yeah, if you're taking all, I don't know. Yeah, you don't want to be here. Uh, yeah. That's like on some level, I'm not saying she committed suicide, but like you've got it. There's nothing in your brain going like maybe this is not a great plan. Yeah. Well, she was super. I mean, again, she was performing. But when she was performing, they showed video of her and Kelly Price singing. And Kelly Price like fine. And Whitney was like drenched in sweat and puffy. Oh. And Ugh. an invitation only memorial service was held for Houston on Saturday, February 18th, 2012 at the New Hope Baptist Church in Newark, New Jersey. Service was scheduled for two hours, but lasted four. Caitlin, are you taking notes? Yes. Did you know that that was her home church where she learned how to sing? Ah. Uh, I maybe the New Hope Baptist. I'm going to tell you maybe. <laughs> That's fine. I, I was... just read ahead in the notes. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> I want you to read this word for word, Caitlin. Yeah, I'm backing off. Hey, go ahead, yep. Caitlin. No, no, me, no. Me and Caitlin are going to sit back. Yep. Among those. Carrie. Okay, think of something sad. <laughs> Among those who performed at the funeral were Stevie Wonder, Cece Winans, Alicia Keys, Kim Burrell, and R. Kelly, who promptly whipped out his penis <laughs> and urinated into her casket, allegedly. That's the part. <coughs> BK, also known as Bobby Christina, was described as inconsolable. And a few days later, uh, was admitted to Cedar sinai uh, saying she was overwhelmed. The month after Whitney Houston's death in March 2012, Brown said that she felt her mother's spirit, and Brown expressed her intent to carry on her mother's legacy by doing the singing thing, along with starting a career as an actor and dancer and drug abuser. <laughs> okay, maybe not the last. <laughs> I, I'm not, just go. Just. 
In accordance with her mother's will, Brown was a beneficiary of Houston's entire estate, uh, including clothing, jewelry, cars, personal effects, and furniture. The will also provided for Brown to receive trust fund payments and installments until she reached age 30, after which time she was to receive the remainder of Houston's $115 million estate. That's just stupid money. It would all go straight up my nose. I couldn't handle that responsibility. I remember when one of my credit cards increased my limit from one thousand to thirty five hundred, and I thought that I had I was rich. I got approved for an eight thousand dollar credit card over the phone once, and I was like, "What? <laughs> Are you sure?" I came home after getting fired, and there was a credit card, a State Farm credit card, in the mail for ten thousand five hundred, and I it was like, "I won't have to work ever again," and I. Maxed it out in six months because I had nothing to do. So I went to happy hours. I got hair extensions. <laughs> it was so bad. Jeez. Oh, After her mother's death, Brown was taken care of by her aunt Pat Houston. Uh, in October 2012, Brown announced her engagement to Nick Gordon, a close family friend who had come to live in the Houston household when he was 12 years old. The announcement caused controversy within the family. Before making their romantic involvement known, Brown had referred to Gordon as her big brother. Ew. Oh, sorry. I didn't read the room. <laughs> Brown's grandmother, Sissy Houston, had called the relationship incestuous uh, when they were initially dating. But then, however, she came around and gave him her blessing for their engagement. Yeah, just give her time. <laughs> yeah. Grandma will get used to you. Down. Definitely an opinion you could come back from. <laughs> In early 2014, Brown and Gordon announced they had married on January 9th of that year. Bobby Brown's lawyer said in a statement, held to the no. But BK is not and has never ever been married to Nick Gordon. Do you think that Bobby Brown was in denial or just wanted to stay relevant by interjecting himself? This is a question for the room. Both. Both. Okay. I agree. I mean, I think you can be a terrible person and still have parental instincts. And I think he loved attention. But he said, uh, so there's another part where he says some stuff. So on January 31st, 2015, Gordon and a friend found Brown face down in a bathtub. So one year after they were married in Alpharetta, Georgia. Gordon began CPR until emergency medical services arrived. According to a police spokeswoman, Brown was alive and breathing after being transported to North Fulton Hospital in Roswell, Georgia. They found no evidence to indicate the incident was caused by drugs or alcohol. Doctors placed Brown in an induced coma after determining her brain function was significantly diminished, and her family was told meaningful recovery would be a miracle. On February 2nd, Brown was moved to Emory University Hospital, where she remained in a coma and on a ventilator. Her family said Brown had briefly opened her eyes, but a medical expert commented, blinking her eyes doesn't mean she's out of the woods. Despite media reports stating Brown was brain dead and had been taken off life support, her family denied the claims on February 5th after having asked for privacy earlier in the week. In late February, she was briefly taken out of the coma, but it was reinduced after she suffered seizures. During a radio interview on March 25th, Brown's grandmother, Sissy Houston, said Brown's condition remained the same and that there was still not a great deal of hope. We are praying. Brown was moved to an Atlanta rehab facility in March 2015. After Bobby Brown to- told concert goers in April that his daughter was awake, Sissy released a statement saying her granddaughter was no longer in a coma but remained unresponsive. Doctors said, gl- I'm sorry. Uh, doctors said Brown had global and irreversible brain damage. In June 2015, Bobby Brown arranged to have his daughter flown to Chicago to be seen by specialists, only to be told that nothing could be done. She has flown back down to Atlanta and moved to Peachtree Christian Hospice in Duluth. On June 24th, her aunt Pat stated that uh, BK's condition had continued to deteriorate. She died in hospice care on July 26, 2015 at the age of 22. Oh. 
So she had been in, I guess, a coma since for six months because it was early, it was January. Yeah. Mid January 2015. As to the cause of her death, uh, the ME said that cannabis and alcohol were found in the body, along with a prescription medication used for anxiety and or sedation. It cited the underlying cause of death as immersion associated with drug intoxication. However, the manner of death could not be ascertained. Is that so right? They're, yeah, I think they're basically just saying they don't know if she killed herself or – Somebody or said if, clearly think, not due to an natural accident. causes. Yeah. 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 Undetermined. Because it's so similar to how her mom died. Like you can't – you can't – you could never really know. Like if she was I don't just like no, if you could well, so suicide would be I guess if you were knowingly taking something to make you pass out so that you could slip into it's the water. Still, it's right. still suicide because you I think it's still technically suicide because you killed yourself, but there's different degrees of it. So like right. I can't remember I used to know this, but I can't remember anymore. But there's just different well, I don't mean maybe they would call it like an accidental drowning. Yeah, maybe. God. Yeah. Sad. It is sad and I I feel like it was probably the same thing. It just, I don't think it was suicide. I think the shit happens. Yeah. Yeah. Number three, Anna Nicole Smith and Daniel Smith. Oh. Uh, Smith appeared this on the- one, I watched a documentary this episode so about sad. this today. Oh. This one really? Is, this one is, yeah, it just was this randomly. Because really remember, I was watching Snapped when yeah. you walked in. It was on that same channel. Oxygen, and- yeah. They were doing these, uh, it was about mysterious deaths and like weird. Familial deaths in close proximity. (laughs) Can you believe it? This episode was. Well, it was just about Mm. these two. But yeah, this is. This is sad. I actually feel bad for Anna Nicole Smith too, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, but she was a wackadoo. Exactly. I don't think she ever had a a chance. But the one thing she did was love her son. Exactly. Right. So Smith appeared on the cover of uh, March 1992 Playboy as Vicky Smith, which is such like a trailer Remember name. Remember those commercials? Want some money? Want a race car? Yeah. And it's like it was like a like a weight loss thing. Yeah. But you got money. I think she was saying if you're hot, you're going to get all those yeah. things. Right. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Smith secured a contract to replace supermodel. Claudia Schiffer in a guest jeans ad uh, featuring a series of sultry black and white photographs during the guest campaign. Smith changed her name to Anna Nicole Smith. They noticed she looked like Jane Mansfield and showcased her in several Mansfield-inspired photo sessions. Smith was successful as a model, but she never found the same recognition as an actress. She made her screen debut in the 94 screwball comedy film The Hudsucker Proxy of Zaza, a flirtatious celebrity who flirts with the lead character played by Tim Robbins in a barbershop scene. I love that movie. I remember the title, but I don't know if I've seen the movie. Smith was next given a larger role as Tanya Peters in Naked Gun 33 and a third, The Final Insult. I remember her in that, uh, which was released seven days after her initial film debut. Her role as a pivotal contact to a crime endeared her favorable reviews in the film enjoyed box office success. Uh, but despite Splite. <laughs> Despite. Despite the publicity for her performance in both films, neither did much to advance her career. Uh, she appeared as herself in a pilot episode of The Naked Truth. She was in. She tried to revitalize her film career with a leading role in Skyscraper in 1996. Didn't The Rock just make? Yep. Yeah. The Skyscraper. It is one of the worst movies. It, it looks really bad. I have. It's very bad. Oh, this one wasn't much better. The low budget direct to video <laughs> film offered Smith no more than softcore exploitation, and her movie career again stalled. Let's all get skyscraper tattoos. I'm down. 
I am too. Yeah, okay. This is my favorite part. In the early 2000s, uh, Smith had very few acting roles. As a result of her rising popularity with tabloids and gossip columns, Smith was given her own reality show on the E! Network, The Internet Nicole Show. It premiered on August 4th, 2002, achieving the highest cable rating for a reality show. The day the series premiered was the seventh anniversary of the death of J. Howard Marshall, R.I.P. The series attempted to focus on the private life of Smith, her boyfriend-slash-attorney, Howard K. Stern, her son, Daniel Wayne Smith, her assistant, Kimberly oh Kimmy Walther. Oh, my God, Kimmy. Oh, my Kimmy. God, I forgot about her. Her miniature poodle sugar pie, her gay interior decorator, Bobby Trendy. <gasps> oh, my gosh, I'm remembering all these people. And her cousin from Texas, Shelly Cloud. The she- show is sad slash amazing it was and remember it was on during like that rash of celebrity reality shows yeah. like the osbournes where right. you were like are these people okay yeah. like should we be watching this yes i'm gonna keep watching this and this but is when I she was this? super hefty yeah. too yeah and but she wasn't like trying to lose weight like she openly was like eating horribly yeah. oh yeah right Uh, Despite the popularity of the show among college students and pop culture fans, viewership declined considerably by the end of its first season. It was, however, renewed for a second season before it being canceled on June 1st after 27 episodes in 2003. E! announced that the series ended because of creative differences between the network and Smith, although Smith acknowledged the series ended because the network had lost interest in both her and the show. Uh, Okay, she returned to Felt Weekend. Oh, in late 2005, she agreed to play Lucy in the self-produced independent parody film Illegal Aliens alongside wrestler Joni China Lauer. Oh, man. It attempted to parody several popular TV shows from the 70s and 80s, as well as several film franchises, and was released direct-to-video on May 1st, 2007, three months after Smith's death. Which, by the way, on the Christmas episode of the Anna Nicole Smith show, she made out with Margaret Cho, and China was in attendance. Nice. Important note. Uh, in an interview on Late Night with Conan O'Brien, Smith was asked what her Playmate diet consisted of. She said fried chicken. Uh, in October 2003, she became a spokeswoman for Trim Spa. Trim Spa. There it is. Which allegedly helped her lose a reported 69 pounds, and I bet. <laughs> nice. It was anything but 69. Yeah. Nice. It was definitely not <laughs> it was 69. 68 or 70, but it wasn't 69. It was not 69 pounds. Trim Maybe spa. it was for a day, but it wasn't. Yeah. Yeah, no. Trim Spa Diet Product Company and Smith were sued in a class action lawsuit alleging the marketing of a weight loss pill was misleading. In November 2004, Smith appeared at the AMAs to introduce Kanye West and attracted attention because of her slurred speech and behavior. During her live appearance, she threw her arms up and asked, Like my body? Like my body? Want some money? Smith murmured other comments and alluded to Trim Spa. The incident became comic material for presenters throughout the rest of the program. I remember. Her appearance was featured in the media the following day. Tabloids speculated that Smith was under the influence of pills or a controlled substance. Her rep explained that she was in pain due to a series of grueling workouts. Sure. Uh, in March 2005, at the first MTV Australia VMAs in Sydney, Smith spoofed Janet Jackson's wardrobe malfunction by pulling down her dress to reveal both breasts each covered with the MTV logo, which Caitlin is actually doing now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, Anna Nicole marriages while working at Jim's Crispy Fried Chicken in Mejia, Texas. Aww. Smith married Billy Wayne Smith, a cook, and the couple married on April 4th, 85, and she gave birth to her son Daniel the following year. Uh, if I'm doing the math right, they got married because she was pregnant. <laughs> uh, and then her and Sm- uh, Smith divorced in 93. While performing in October 1991 – two years before her uh, divorce at Gigi's, 
uh, in Houston, she met uh, 86-year-old petroleum tycoon and hottie. J. Howard Marshall. A billionaire as a result of his 16% ownership stake in Cook Industries. Uh, during their two-year affair, Marshall reportedly lavished her with gifts and asked her to marry him several times on June 27, 94. Smith and Marshall were married in Houston, resulting in speculation that she married him for his money. Smith reportedly never lived with Marshall, never had sex with him, and never kissed him on the mouth more than 10 times. Like, who counts that? Oh, same for Chet and I. Right. Yeah. Nine times. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, not 10. Not 69, I'll tell you that much. No. She <laughs> maintained that she loved Marshall and that age did not matter to her. On August 4th, 1995, 13 months after his marriage to Smith, Marshall died in Houston at age 90. On June 1st, 2006, Smith announced her pregnancy in a video clip on her official website. Oh, God. Let me stop all the rumors. She said, wait, did that sound like George Bush? What just <laughs> Why did you? I don't know. I was thinking about Who people is... from Texas. Well, well, hello. <laughs> Let me stop all the rumors then. Hello, everyone. Now, you sound like Reagan. <laughs> That's who I was doing. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, she said, while floating on an inflatable raft in a swimming pool. Yes, I am pregnant. Yes. I'm happy. I'm very happy. I'm well, Mommy. very happy about it. <laughs> Everything's going really, really good. And I'll be checking in and out periodically on the web. And I'll let you see me as I'm growing. Uh, this time period was my favorite Anna Nicole time period. I call it the Bahamas Anna Nicole clown face period. <laughs> Sure. Remember this? Yes. When she was so whacked out on something and she was pregnant and her and Howard K. Stern drew clown faces and videoed themselves. Yeah. Yeah. It's my favorite. All right. Let's get to the the sad part. Uh, Smith's daughter uh, was born. There's a paternity suit. Turns out that uh, Larry Burkhead, a photographer, was the father. (laughs) Do you want to go to her death? Oh, wait. What? Oh, no. I thought we were somewhere else in the notes. It's fine. Uh, no, I think, we're, I think you can go down. <laughs> we are covering a lot of ground. Oh, we have, yeah. we do have a lot. When no, it, I know. But we don't, we can skip some of it. Oh, like no, people know. No, it's fine. <laughs> are we okay? <laughs> you... Will this be our last podcast? <laughs> I've never seen you compile a more detailed anything than yeah. the life and times of <laughs> Anna. This you... is a documentary <laughs> about Anna Nicole Smith right now. Are you pitching now. us a book? <laughs> It was a thesis. No wonder the title was so stern. <laughs> I'd say we keep going. Let's keep going. Let's keep going. Um, okay. Considering the last time I saw you with notes, you were erasing them from your iPhone as you were talking about them. <laughs> this is just, it's, it's interesting. This is interesting. According to a story published in the New York Daily News, Donna Hogan, Smith's younger half-sister, said Smith froze the sperm of her second husband, Marshall, prior to his death. The newspaper said that Hogan wrote in her unpublished manuscript about her sister entitled Trainwreck that, to her family, she hinted that she had used the old man's frozen sperm and would be giving birth to Howard Marshall's child. Uh, turned out that was a Creepy. hoax. On February 9th, 2007, Jaja Gabor's husband, sure. Frederick Prince von Anholt. Yeah, that guy. Said that he had had a decade-long affair with Smith and could potentially be the father of her daughter. Uh, Alexander Dank, a former bodyguard for Anna Nicole, reportedly told the tabloid TV program Extra that he had had an affair and that he, too, could be the father. Holy Connie Chunk's husband, because of the, <laughs> I couldn't think of who it was. But Maury Povich. <laughs> Uh, okay, on April 10th, they figured out that it was Larry Burkhead who said, I hate to be the one to tell you this, but I told you so. I'm the father. My baby's going to be coming home pretty soon. Uh, what the fuck? 
Burkhead had the birth certificate amended. Stern did not t- contest the DNA results or the ruling, and Burkhead returned to the U.S. with the baby. Smith's 20-year-old son, Daniel, died on September 10, 2006, in his mother's hospital room while visiting her and her baby. After the coroner labeled the death preserved, does that just mean like pending? I think so. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I've never heard that before. Smith hired uh, pathologist Cyril Wecht to perform a second autopsy. Cyril! Cyril! A death certificate was issued on September 21st, 2006, so that Daniel could be buried. While Smith remained in the Bahamas with Danny Lynn and Stern, her son's family in the U.S., including his father, gathered with friends on October 7th in Mejia for memorial service. Daniel was buried at Lakeview Cemetery in New Providence, Bahamas, on October 19th, 2006, almost six weeks after his death. Does that seem weird that he was buried in the Bahamas next to Casey Kasem? (laughs) I'm sorry. Casey Kasem was buried next to him. Right. Fair. Yeah. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, according to Stern, Smith was devastated over her son's death. Anna and Dana were inseparable. Dana was without question the most important person in Anna's life. Uh, at Daniel's funeral, she had them open the coffin and she tried to climb inside. She said that if Daniel has to be buried, I want to be buried with him. She was ready to go down with him. Stern said that Anna saw herself as both mother and father from the time I met her. Everything was for Daniel. I would say that physically she died last week, but in a lot of ways emotionally, she died when Daniel died. So then we can go to – oh, Wecht announced in Larry King Live that the autopsy of Daniel showed that Daniel died from a lethal combination of antidepressants, Soloft, Lexapro, and the painkiller methadone, oh my God. which is used for the treatment of heroin addiction and chronic pain. Oh. On February 8th, 2007, Smith was found dead in room 607 at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood, Florida. Uh, Tasma, a friend of Smith, who was a trained emergency nurse, uh, performed CPR for 15 minutes until her husband, Maurice Big Mo, bright hopped. Smith's friend and bodyguard took over. He had driven back to the hotel after being notified by his wife of Smith's condition. Uh, According to the police at 138, uh, they called the front desk. Are you just going to skip over that the police chief's name is Charlie Tiger? (laughs) Yeah, come on. Of all things that, that you skipped really? over. That's the Daryl Dragon. Like, yeah, well. of this episode. Yeah. Daryl Dragon. Daryl Dragon of Captain and Tenille. How are you what not? What the fuck was he thinking? How are you not Dragon and Tenille? What? What Fucking... Yeah, Dragon and Tenille. Go with or, that. You know what would have been a good band name? Daryl Dragon. Yeah, just keep Daryl Dragon and wife. Right. <laughs> Etc. Daryl's Dragon. Dar- no. <laughs> Songs, <laughs> song out of Whitney. And <laughs> <laughs> don't go breaking my heart. I won't go breaking your heart. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Carrie, go on. No, <laughs> we just needed to talk for a minute. We were feeling. No, I get it. I get it. According to Seminole Police Chief Charlie Tiger. At 1.38, uh, Big Mo, who was also a trained paramedic, called the hotel front desk. I have an idea. Smith's sixth floor at, room. At an open mic, we should just have Carrie read all of this stuff of Anne Nicole <laughs> Smith's life. Okay. <laughs> oh, will it be at um, the Hooters and Burbank? the Hooters, our day-long, yeah, right, a, right. 11 to 11. <laughs> Carrie, <the> performer. <laughs> Carrie's got the 11 to 1 shift, kicking the show off. All right, guys, I just want to kick the tires on this thing, so uh, get comfy, order some wings. Here we go. I call my bit. Famous people who were related that died. Now I'm still working on the title. Don't worry about that. I'm sorry. Never mind. Keep going. We're going to keep going. Okay, you can scroll down. Woo! <laughs> 
Yeah. Front desk called 911. Uh, they administered CPR. A 210 Smith was rushed to the Memorial Regional Hospital where she was pronounced dead on arrival at 249. I also like that you're yada yada through it. It's like, oh, well, he's found dead. Uh, oh, room 607. <laughs> so that, that's the one we need to do a seance at. Another seance. These are yes. just, we're just racking yeah. up seance So rooms. a phone call involving Seminole Police and the local 911 operators was released to the public. The call said, we need assistance to room 607 at the Hard Rock. It's in reference to a white female. She's not breathing and not responsive. We're on our way. Actually, <laughs> it's Anna Nicole in- Smith. Uh, they ended up finding out she died of a combined drug intoxication with a sleeping medication, chloral hydrate, as a major component. Yeah. No, no illegal drugs were found in her system. The official report states that her death was not considered to be due to homicide, suicide, or natural causes. Oh uh, it was listed as a accidental drug overdose. Uh, so on top of having the chloral hydrate, oh, wow. she combined them with benzodiaz- benzodiazepines. Yep. Clonopin. Clonazepam, lorazepam, oxazepam, and diazepam. Yeesh. And? Benadryl. <laughs> and so I've taken most of these drugs. But all together, that's so much No, stuff. Oh, no. Hell no. no. That's like a cornucopia of opiates right there. Yeah, like Topamax is that when they gave it to me, it was a, an ant, a, a thing to help me quit drinking. And what it does is it makes like any carbonated beverage just taste like dirt on your tongue. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think that was its intended use, but that was a side effect. Like those limited edition weird Harry Potter jelly beans that came out that tasted like gross things like dirt? I played that on Portugal the Man's tour bus and didn't get one of the shitty jelly beans at all. You're very lucky. I was so I was just dreading every time. I don't like and jelly I was fine. beans. I like jelly bellies, but select flavors. I feel like it's weird to be like, here's a little bit of this flavor. Now here's a little bit yeah. of this flavor. Here's some cherry toasted marshmallow coconut in your mouth. Yeah, but see, that's what I mean. Is then like the layering combinations? I don't. That seems like a lot. They have recipe books. Oh God. Anyway, Carrie, is this paused? <laughs> is this part paused? <laughs> is what paused? It says paused. Where what? Up in the right hand corner. No, and it's, it's just that fifty two oh seven. No, it's just paused syncing. It's the paused meaning the your oh, <laughs> you're just paused. humoring me and letting me just. Read. Oh no! And this <laughs> is just the clock that says we're recording over here. These aren't okay. even the same computers. For just a second, <laughs> Carrie thought that you were humoring her, but not recording the entire have, history of Anna Nicole Smith. I definitely have the free time for that. <laughs> Let's just go up here and pretend to record Carrie. April Fools! But you don't tell me until April Fools. When this episode comes out. And I only hear of two deaths, but I have obviously talked about four deaths. Oh, there's a fourth. (laughs) We're not stopping. I might go smoke. No, you're not allowed to leave. I okay. Think I think we're good with them. Let's. Yeah, I think we can wrap it up with her. No. Yeah. You mean just with her, so we can get to Brittany Murphy and Simon Nanja. Yes. yes. That's one super interesting. <laughs> Number pages? four. Wait. Just let me know. We can see the curse on the side. We're almost at the end. Are we? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The one I know the least <laughs> about. Funny. <laughs> Carrie, you did 20 pages of notes. And I have a picture of Brittany Murphy's headstone. 
<laughs> that no one can see but us. The one I know the least about has the least information. <laughs> yeah. And this is the one that actually gave me the idea. Oh, yeah? Yeah. She just really got caught up with <laughs> Cole's People will like this. We just... I, we, I know. We have a new podcast with Andy Sell called Ghoul School, and it's him going through the history of horror movies. And when we were talking about the first season, which is about found footage, I was like, well, where are you going to start with the history of found footage horror movies? And he was like, I probably have to start with when Thomas Edison invented the video camera. Jesus Christ. And I was like, oh, that's funny. And then we recorded, and he goes, so Thomas Edison invents the video <laughs> camera. And there are two episodes of that podcast, and they total about four and a half hours. Oh, it is a journey. I feel better. But, yeah, people are into it. People like, like a longer he's episode. He's like the unpops Ken Burns. Yes. People like people like a longer episode. Keep going. <laughs> go, Carrie, go. I feel like you guys are. I feel like you're into it. I feel like you're bored, Adam. If I'm Adam reading is the not, room correctly. Adam is not bored. So I'm feeling the need to fluctuate between speaking fast and slowing down. There's a lot <laughs> Carrie's going on in my head right ears now. Ears are sparking right now, guys. She's panicking. I don't want you to worry, Carrie. This is going well. Thank you. <laughs> Why don't you believe me? Go ahead and uh, unpause, unpause this, Adam. Yeah. We'll go ahead and cue this up Here for the go. finale. Hold on one second. Yeah. There you go. I knew I should have been worried when I saw that Carrie's notes started with a Roman numeral. That's never good. <laughs> Film critic Roger Ebert frequently acclaimed Murphy's acting talent and comedic timing, giving good reviews to several of her films and comparing her to Lucille Ball. No. We did say that we're talking about Brittany Murphy, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, and Simon Monjack. Drive. I uh, loved Brittany Murphy. Yeah. I thought she yeah. was great. Yeah. She was amazing on uh, King of the Hill. Yeah. She was, I liked her a lot. I liked her in Eight Mile. Yeah. Little Black Book. I like Oh, her. what was the one with uh, when they were in the psych ward? Girl Interrupted? Oh, yeah. Girl Interrupted oh, yeah. is so Girl good. And obviously good. Clueless. Well, that's my movie in this one. But yeah. As for Brittany Murphy, for me, this is what Roger Ebert is saying. It goes Not back Carrie. to the 2003 Independent Spirit Awards, where Murphy was assigned to present one of the awards. Her task was to read the names of the five nominees, open an envelope, and reveal the name of the winner. This she turned into an opportunity for screwball improv improv comedy by pretending she could not follow the sequence not even after the audience shouted instructions and the stage manager came to whisper in her ear not once but twice there were those in the audience who were dumbfounded by her stupidity i was dumbfounded by her brilliance i don't know that that was a joke mister that might not have been the andy kaufman moment that he's thinking isn't that great what if it's not and he just that's amazing. In late 2002, Murphy began dating Ashton Kutcher, who co-starred in Just Married. Once engaged to talent manager Jeff Quatnitz, Murphy became engaged. <laughs> Can't marry Quatnitz. Come on. Murphy became engaged to Joe Macaluso. Joe Macaluso. Joe Macaluso. In December 2005, a PA she met while working. Really slumming it, Brittany. A yeah. PA she met while working on the film Little Black Book. In August 2006, they ended their engagement. In May 2007, she married British screenwriter Simon Monjack in a private Jewish ceremony in L.A. For the last three and a half years of her life, Murphy, her mother, and Monjack lived together in the same house. This story is so weird. Yeah. Yeah. The fact, like, the mom lives with them or? Well, like, you get married and your mom moves in right away. No, they live together. Simon moved in. That's pretty move well, the house. Whatever. Yeah. Like, that's just, I don't know, your first year of marriage, your mom's There around. is a Lifetime movie about it, and it's really interesting. Mm, I didn't know that. Yeah. 
There's been a Lifetime movie for literally everything so far. Everything. Except for the Whitney Houston Ripped part. Ripped from the headlines. Yeah. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah. That was the law and order. Bum, 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 bum. At 8 a.m. on December 20th, 2009, the LAFD, which stands for Los Angeles Fire Department, responded to a medical request at the L.A. home Murphy and Monjack shared. She had apparently collapsed in a bathroom. Firefighters attempted to resuscitate Murphy on the scene. She was transported to Cedars-Sinai, where she died at 10.04 after going to cardiac arrest. Shortly after her death, Assistant Chief Coroner Ed Winter told the AP it appears to be natural. An autopsy was performed the day after she died. What? Her death certificate listed the cause of death as deferred. On February 4th, 2010, the L.A. County coroner stated that the primary cause of Murphy's death was pneumonia, with secondary factors of iron deficiency anemia and multiple drug intoxication. On February 25th, 2010, the coroner released a report stating that Murphy had been taking a range of OTC and prescription medications. I'm trying to shorten it for you, Adam. I got it. OTC. Over the counter? OTC. Yeah, you know me. Yeah, yeah. With the most likely reason being to treat a cold or respiratory infection. These included elevated elevated levels of hydrocodone. Acetaminophen. Yep. L-methamphetamine. And chlorophyminine. Chlorophenerine. Dispensary. All of the drugs were legal and the death was ruled to be an accident. And then there's just a picture of Brittany Murphy's headstone. Going on. Which uh, it makes for good podcast. <laughs> I really love that you included a picture in your notes. That's for you, too. But anybody can look it up. Except not in the earlier in the notes where you said the picture makes him look like something. And there's no picture up there. It's <laughs> my favorite. Picture makes him look like. I don't remember. We've been at this so long. It, I don't It might remember. have been the first ep- episode we recorded. I, I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. Who's uh, Brittany Murphy? 11 to 11. <laughs> Free appetizers, four to six. The grave of Brittany. Everybody is- only gets 17 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> is that Forest Lawn, Hollywood Hills? Uh, on December 24th, Murphy was buried in the Hollywood Hills. On May 23rd, her widower, Simon Monjack, so five months later, was found dead at the same Hollywood Hills residence in July 2010. Uh, L.A. Assistant Chief Coroner Ed Winter stated that the cause of his death was acute pneumonia and severe anemia. It was reported that the L.A. County Department of Health had considered toxic mold in their house as a possible cause of the death. But this was dismissed by Ed Winter, who stated that there were no indicators that mold was a factor. Murphy's mother, Sharon, described the reports of mold contributing to the deaths as absurd and went on to state that inspecting the home for mold was never requested by the health department. In December 2011, Sharon changed her stance, announcing that toxic mold was indeed what killed her daughter and son-in-law, and filed a lawsuit against the attorneys who represented her in an earlier suit against the builders of the home where her daughter and son-in-law died. In November 2013, her father, Angelo Bertolotti, do you want to do an Bertolotti, (laughs) uh, claimed that a toxicology report showed that deliberate poisoning by heavy metals, including antimony and barium, was a possible cause of Brittany Murphy's death. In a 2014 interview with Examiner, Bertolotti made it explicitly clear that he believed his ex-wife murdered their daughter. Sharon Murphy described this claim as a schmear. A schmear. Like what you put on a bagel? Yeah, with a schmear. It's a schmear campaign. (laughs) It's a berry-flavored schmear campaign. That'd be a good name for a bagel store. The schmear campaign? The schmear campaign. I like that. Man, that's a... Let's do it. Let's do that. That's got to be off air. I, I like the black mold theory in this. Yeah, well, they both die of Toxic pneumonia mold. and anemia. I think you're thinking a black mirror. 
Huh? They said toxic mold. No. Uh, if you were following along, it was very transparent. They said toxic mold. Well, but I toxic think you're saying mold. black mold because you're thinking of black mirror. Because the toxic isn't, kind isn't of mold black is mold? black mold. No, it's toxic. <laughs> Uh-oh. Carrie's digging her heels in. It's toxic black mold. Adam, just keep going. Just don't, the, <laughs> don't, don't put the black in her. a parenthesis. She's written 70 pages of notes. <laughs> just let her keep going. That does her... sound like a good theory, though. Like, because yeah. it's weird that they both had anemia and that's what I pneumonia. yeah I agree and pneumonia yeah. But it's weird the mom never got sick, and I think she lived there after. I mean, at some point I think she moved, but she still stayed there. Maybe it was their room specifically. Here's the thing with Could spores. <laughs> Just kidding. I Let me know. pull up my notes about spores. In all of my neuroses, I've never really done a deep dive into the black mold stuff. That could be a good episode. Yeah, black mold would be an interesting episode. Or toxic. We could do a black mold episode and a toxic mold episode. So it's a black mold episode. Right. And then we flip-flop it the next week and do toxic mold. So same notes, same stories. (laughs) Nope. Completely different. Cool. And I'll be out of the country for both of those. So. I'm waiting for the part. I started laughing at the end. Because usually at the end, when we're all done, you're like, good episode. But I don't feel like you're going to. That this this time. was a good this episode. This was a good episode. It was fun. It was two it was hours just a long. Ju- <laughs> it was just a journey through Anna Nicole Smith for a while. You don't know how much I omitted about her acting career. <laughs> I don't. I don't know how much you omitted. Carrie, you should do an Unpops podcast about Anna Nicole Smith. I, I might. That would be pretty great. Yeah. You could call it like my figure. Yes. How do you like my figure? <laughs> that how one? do you like my body? <laughs> I thought it was figure. I thought she said like my oh, figure. Please, that's a Mahia Texas intro. How do you like body. my body? Like my body? You just Orange county it up. You like my figure? <laughs> <laughs> hey, been working out a lot consistently, cutting back on sugar. You like my figure? <laughs> Not oh. bad for two kids, huh? Man. That was fun. I really appreciate <laughs> how much information Carrie dispensed. <laughs> That feels like such a long time ago. It, you know, it, you know it was out. the same year that we started the show. <laughs> Do you guys both feel like this has been a long week? I mean, not even just this podcast oh, yeah. included, but I feel yeah. like this week, this first week of New Year's. Sorry, everybody. It's the second. Right. It's the second. Whatever. The last week. I feel like it was longer than any week I've ever experienced in my life. It was pretty lengthy. Yeah. I wasn't I don't into it at all. What happened? I'm very tired. Yeah, I'm tired, too. I didn't even go out on New Year's Eve. Yeah, I didn't. I think because it's dark out, like blackout, It's dark maybe. and it's cold. I don't know. It's yeah. toxic out. <laughs> it's very toxic <laughs> and yes. black and cold out. Yeah, it's like a mold. toxic night. It sure is. A toxic sky. <laughs> Just makes me tired. See? Oh, my God, Adam's dying. And then I want to take a forever nap. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> wow. Like any of the people that we've covered tonight? Yeah, like Brittany and Simon. Like Brittany and Simon. Oh. <laughs> go, back, go back to her headstone. It's the, Brittany, bitch. The easy breeze. I already closed the notes. No, yeah, we can't go back because the, the sinking is paused again. And if he tries to open the link, it's going to take 45 minutes because yeah. he, has to, he has to open up all the pages he wrote. I already, yeah, I already. I am so impressed by the level of note taking. Oh, I'm retiring. For, for Anna what? Nicole no. Smith. Yeah, done. No, this was good. I, I think Carrie should do the notes all the time. Yeah, that was stressful. I don't know how you do it or did it or do it or it's we a lot. We do notes from time to time. It yeah. is a, it's a nightmare, but it's eh, fun. It was fun. stressful. Yeah. It's fun. You can sit on the couch and do it 
sit at an islands. Yeah. Any of those I prefer things. to do it at a restaurant. 11 I did 11. these at Buffalo Wild Wings <laughs> while I was waiting to go to my uh, friend's birthday party. And they were like, yeah, like, don't come yet. Don't come yet. So I sat there for three hours. <laughs> and there's sports on. And I wasn't like not I wasn't sure what was going on. So it's a on. much more interesting mystery than Brittany Murphy. Yeah. So well, I'm just saying I had time. You off for three I had time. hours. How early did you show up? Well, I had to. Okay, so whatever. I ended up in Long Beach because I had to work in the South Bay. And I'm like, well, I'm not going to go back up to L.A., which is north, to come no. back down to Long Beach. So let me just run errands. So I did that. And then I was like, all right, well, I still have a few hours, I guess. Let me go to this B-dub yep. and write some notes. My husband And then and I-, I kept asking, like, can I come over, <laughs> can I come over now? <laughs> Carrie would like to come over. My husband and I call that Buff Wiwi. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just shortens things. I love a Buffalo Wild Wings. Never been. I'm a fan. Yeah, right. they're okay. I'm a fan. You have to really like wings. On that zesty note, yeah. I feel like we really accomplished <laughs> some stuff here tonight, guys. We, reach, we have reached a finish line. <laughs> yeah. You know, some episodes are a sprint and others are long distance. Yeah. This was a marathon. <laughs> it, was like, it was a 5K. It was pretty awesome. It wasn't a marathon. Carrie did good work. You did do good work on both of these episodes, the last two episodes. Yeah. Thank Thanks, you. Carrie. Thanks, Carrie. Thanks, guys. Good job. Thanks. Like my figure. <laughs> like my figure. So. <laughs> I don't know. We have nothing to plug. Can we go? We have nothing to plug. Let's just go home. Let's... We're going to be in Portland. We're going to be in Portland. They're going to be in Portland. Listen up. And you're going to be at the Mariah Carey concert. Uh, come see Mariah so... Carey with me in Vegas. And, and again, I gave up on seeing her in D.C. Tickets were too expensive. I don't know that. I don't know who will be more out of it, Mariah Carey or me, performing that night. But Oh, yeah. Yeah. I fucking love Mariah Carey. We know. All right. I'll uh, be the rock. Yep. She'll be the rock. Not sure what I mean. Just solid. Solid. The as responsible a rock. one. Don't go breaking my heart. And let's it's go. Building up and it's building up. All right. Let's get out of here. Caitlin, oh. say goodbye. Goodbye. Carrie, say black mold. <laughs> Toxic mold. <laughs> goodbye, everybody. We Yay! love you. Yay! <laughs>